morning. I cut myself five minutes short, but that's okay. I, I know the lady in the nursery. And anyway, 2 Timothy chapter number 2, if you will. We, we're going to wrap up our study on the Gospels and us with this one last little view here. And I've entitled this morning Another Gospel View because we've been looking at the four Gospels in a, in a very broad manner and how they present the Lord Jesus Christ. And we saw with Matthew, he presents him as king. Behold your king, Israel. Here's your king. Mark comes in and says, Israel, here's your servant. Behold your servant. Luke comes in and says, Luke, Israel, behold the man, the kinsman redeemer, the son of man. Here he is. And John backs up and says, hey, you know what? Israel, behold your God. And here's God. In the last two Sundays, uh, last week was the Jehovah statements and the seven I am's in John. We looked at that on the over and, and so forth. And then this morning, I just, here's the Apostle Paul. And here's us. And just as there are four cherubs there in Ezekiel, we'll get over there in just a minute, that, that, sat, that sit around and, and the cherubs are there to design our, and their mode, of, their mode of operation, main mode of operation is the protection of the glory of God. The seraphims, we looked there in Revelation and we saw that the seraphims are sit there and their mode of operation is the protection of His holiness. Now, God doesn't need any protection. He's God. But he set these creatures so, and just as the cherubs have the face of an eagle and the face of an ox and the face of a man and the face of a lion, and, and those four match the four Gospels, and just as a seraphim, one is a man, one is a lion, one is an eagle, one is a, is a calf, it's an ox, okay? And they set that. There was a fifth cherub, wasn't there? One that covereth, but he fell. And we'll get over there in just a minute and we'll see that, you know what, you and I are going to take his place as one that covereth, as one exalted and seated in the heavenly places. And it's a wonderful view to come to understand 2 Timothy 2 and verse 7, where the Apostle Paul says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in some of the things. No, what? All things. So if I want to understand all things, by the way, oh, you got to just... You got 2 Timothy 2. Okay, I know we got our reference list, and I, have, I reserve the rights to leave that at all times. Okay? But just think about verse 7, what Paul's just said to you and I, what Paul just said to the church. Consider what I say. Now, this isn't Paul tooting his own horn that he's got some, you know, Charlie Schwab walks in, everybody's, or Merrill Lynch or whoever that was, walks in and everybody shuts up and listens. It isn't that. It's him in his office as the apostle of the Gentiles. It's in him, I magnify my office, he says in Romans 11. By the way, it's very interesting. If you ever study the apostle Paul, when he, when he goes to talking about himself, it's never in a positive light. It's always in the off-scourging, in the off-scouring. We're the lowest, we're the least, we're this. But when he talks about the office entrusted to him to be the apostle and the one to be delivering the hidden wisdom of God and be the, the due time testifier. Boy, he, you can't shut him up. And the glory that is there because of who and who he is and who he is in Christ. And he says, consider what I say and the Lord give the understanding in all things. Now, just kind of think about that real quick. Run over to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter 3. There's an interesting thing here about big boy Pete. 
Peter here, 2 Peter 3, look at verse 15. Now, if you think about 2 Peter 3, there's been some scoffers back up in verse 3. And they've said, verse 4, where's the com- promise of his coming? So there's been a delay. Well, why has there been a delay? Well, the Lord interrupted their program, so there's been a delay. But look at verse 15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles. Now watch, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable wrestle. By the way, that's Roman Greco wrestling. That's Olympic wrestling. Twist up as they do also the other scriptures under their own. Notice how Peter, you know what Peter says? I don't have full understanding of all things. If you want to get full understanding of all things, who do you got to go read, Hebrew? Paul. You got to go to Paul's epistles. So when you come back to 2 Timothy 2, Paul says, you want to understand it all, you need me, man. Peter says, yeah, you got to go talk to Paul. Read Paul. Even Peter, the chief apostle, the one everybody worships, he says, no, nah, I don't got it all. It's hard to understand some of that stuff Paul talks about. Paul says, here we go. Verse 8, 2 Timothy 2, 8. That's a little sideline for you. A little cul-de-sac move. 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Very, remember. I love that. Remember, bring it up to, into your mind. Bring, bring all of this. You're going to consider what I'm going to say. You're going to have understanding. And the first place that starts is remembering something. It's remembering a, a, something wonderful about our Savior. It's remembering something about the Lord Jesus Christ of the seed of David. And what he's going to do here, by the way, was raised from the dead. Didn't go, he isn't dead, he's raised. And Paul's going to begin to introduce an issue now of resurrection. By the way, in verse 9 and 10, if you look there at verse 10, the end of that verse, obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So when he says here, consider, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. It isn't, the, the resurrection of Christ is a prophesied event. See, it isn't just strictly belongs to Paul. It belongs to all. But Paul's going to say, you know what, though, man, that life that you and I now have in Christ, Romans 6, the newness of life, that new identity, you know what that's got attached to it? It's got eternal glory attached to it. And you need to consider these things. You need to remember. Where do we learn about the Lord Jesus Christ being the seed of David? How about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? What we just spent the last five, four weeks, five weeks looking at. We, do, we learn about that, don't we, about who he is and, and everything and all of the prophetic things. But yet here, he says, you know what? I'm going to give you a different perspective. He was raised also according to what? My gospel. And this, there's a new view now of Calvary. And this, Cal, this view of Calvary isn't going to be the view of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. By the way, what was the view of Calvary in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Ignorance. They don't understand it. 
The Lord three times tells them, I got to go to Jerusalem, I got to die. Peter, not so, Lord, ain't going to happen. They're in the Garden of Gethsemane, ready to go, and Peter pulls it out and takes Malchus's head off, I mean, his ear off, head hunting, and, and the Lord says, What? Put it away, Pete. No, that's not what we're about right now. Peter's mad. Peter's actually, he's not mad. I take that back. He, he, he's disillusioned, he's discouraged. The Lord says, Pete, you're going to three times deny me. He goes, not so, Lord. I'd never give you up. And man, Peter three times did it, didn't he? You know why? You know why Peter was, delu- he was depressed, he was down, he was disillusioned, he was discouraged because the Lord gave up in his mind, in Peter's mind. Peter, a commercial fisherman, we don't give up. We fight. We fight at the drop of the hat, and as my dad would say, we drop the hat to fight. We don't give up. And what did the Lord do? Who are you guys here to see? Who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I'm him. Who are you looking By the way, blows them down. You think they wouldn't answer that again, you know, but they do. Why? Because he says, no man taketh, I give my life, no man taketh. And he says, here, take, here I am, let's go. And Peter's just sitting there going, Holton, what are you doing? You see, we got details here. Paul comes in and says, you know what? There's another side to this little coin here, if you will. There's another side of Calvary. Romans 16, look over there. Romans 16. Tremendous verses here in our thinking about this. Remember, bring it back into your mind. You're going to consider, you're going to remember. You know what? He was resurrection life. It's It's attached to this. Romans 16, verse 25, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. Here's the other way we're going to preach Christ. Here's the other way we're going to look at Calvary. We're studying in 1 Corinthians 1 there. We're in verse 17 and 18, and we're talking about the wisdom of words making the cross of Christ of none effect. And we've been talking about those, the, those wisdom of words and outward expression of that inward transformation. That verse doesn't exist, folks. What does it do? It makes the cross of Christ of none effect. What's Paul say? Just think about what Paul says. He says it's, the cross is offensive. Why is it offensive? Because it says you can't do anything. I've done it all, the Lord says. When he says it is finished, guess what it is? It is finished. See? And when that happens like that, and when that's the trend, Paul comes in and says, okay, we're now going to preach Christ, verse 15, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 25, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, next two words, according to. Here's the blueprint. Here's the guidelines. You know, we we were talking about uh, work, doing work on the building next door. They want blueprints. They want outlines. They want this. They want that. We're good. And you know, the city's just made it completely impossible. So we're kind of reevaluating what we're going to do uh, without getting a lawyer to go fight them. But the thing is, is what according to. So if we do something over there, what do we have to do with the building? We have to bring it up to what? The code. Here's the building code. Code. Here, according to. Here's the guidelines. Paul comes in and says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to preach Jesus Christ according to. Not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not the Old Testament. Not the prophets. But according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret. I love that. He defines for you what mystery is in the verse. 
which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. Think about that. There is a secret set of information kept secret. What does prophecy say? Prophecy has a limited view of the Lord Jesus Christ. Prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. I sound like Ford a little bit there. Prophecy, Ford's one of the little guys, okay? Prophecy comes in and says, you know what? When Christ comes, he's going to do this. The five mandates of the Davidic covenant, he's going to accomplish. He's going to accomplish that. He's going to accomplish this. Paul comes in and prophecy says, yeah, but there was also this he's going to do. And he's going to be the, he's coming into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. According to my gospel, the good news given to the apostle Paul, according to Mystery comes in, and I tried to show you as we went through, Paul, he reaches over. Look look over at Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Look at verse 6. Who being in the form of God. So who does Paul say Christ is? He's God. There's your book of John. There's your gospel of John. God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what? There's Mark. Isn't that interesting? And was made in the likeness of men. Well, there's Luke, right? You see how Paul reaches it? He doesn't say, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are wrong. Throw them out. He says, no, that's who Christ is. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 6, there... He calls him the king of kings and lord of lords. He's the only potentate. You see, Paul doesn't come in and say, no, he's not that. He says he is that, but he's also now this. Much more. Much more. Much more. Much more. Yes, he is that to Israel. He is the Messiah of Israel. He is Israel's fulfillment. But he's also our Savior. And our Redeemer. Why? Because he's going to only die how many times? One time. There's no more, nobody's ever going to lay another hand on, on our Savior ever again. When he comes out in that second coming, I love that next one. What are you guys looking up in the clouds for? When he comes back, he's coming in the clouds. He's come, by the way, you, you, you notice lately a lot of stuff about UFOs. A lot of stuff about UFOs. I hope you understand that the course of this world is designed to get the believer to quit looking at that stuff. It's to, I shouldn't say quit. It's to cause you to look at that stuff and start to doubt and question this. Are you and I going to be caught up into the, into the, hev- into the air, into meet the Yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever thought about 1 Thessalonians 4. A shout, a voice, and a trumpet. That's some noise making. Now, they're not going to be able to see everything like you, like you and I will experience and go through, but the world's going to know something's up. So how does the course of the world do? Well, it's just a UFO. It's just this. I mean, you think about the vastness of climate change. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. You think about the vastness of our universe. Is there life in our universe? Yeah. But there's no human life. You know where human life is? Right here. See, 
I mean, you think you got to think through this stuff. Now, that's a rabbit trail. Where are we? Romans 16. See? Where are we here? Romans, Paul says, you know what we're going to do? We're, we're not going to disannul. We're not going to change. We're not going to say that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and Acts is wrong. We're going to say there's just another set of information according to the revelation. Of, so when we preach Christ today, how are we preaching him? According to the revelation of mystery, we get into the Apostle Paul, we dig down in there, and we start going. Now, before we do that, let's run back to Ezekiel, just so we see this, and you, and you see it, and you get it, and you can think through this. Go back to Ezekiel chapter 1, just so you see this, and, and then we'll look at a couple things, and then we'll get back in Paul here quickly and wrap up the morning. Ezekiel chapter number 1. In Ezekiel 1, uh, by the way, the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel is called Son of Man. He is never called the Son of Man. He's called Son of Man. You know who the Son of Man is? Lord Jesus Christ. Very, it's very interesting how your Bible and how the Holy Ghost protects that title, but yet he calls him Son of Man. Ezekiel 1 verse 5. All right. Verse 3, they're by the river Chabar. Verse 5, and, and out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. If, by the way, if you drop down to verse 10, they're in the likeness of their faces. The four had a face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. There's your four Gospels. That's, how, that's one of the ways you know that there are to be four, not eight, there to be four, not one, of the, of the Gospels, okay? And so when you hear them, found, we found a Gospel of, I'm waiting for them to say the Gospel of Rick. You know, I'm like, yeah, there we go, let's add that bad boy. No, that's just somebody found something, okay? It's canon, here it is. Now, come over to chapter number 10 of Ezekiel. Chapter number 10, and look at verse 15. So these living creatures, chapter 10, verse 15, and the cherubs were lifted up. This is the living creature that I saw by the river Chabar. So the character that's got all the faces, he's got the wings, he's got all of that is a cherub. Now between chapter 1 and chapter 10 and following, you've got the glory of the Lord leaving and moving and doing things, and the cherubs are involved in that. Now come over to chapter 28. Because here's where you and I come in, if you will, if you will think about it, not in a fulfillment manner, but just in a picture manner, okay? So you've got four cherubs, and they sit around the throne room of God, and they sit there, and they are designed to protect and to deal with the movement of God's glory. On the Ark of the Covenant, where cherubs were placed, where you would, the one time a year they'd put the, the blood there, in the, in the Ark of the Covenant was the broken law and, and the manna and everything, and that blood covered the broken law one time a year for Israel. So you got the cherubs there. The Lord tells Moses, you build that, and that's where I'm going to meet you, is in the cherub right there. By the way, when the, when the Lord dies, he gives up the ghost. You remember the veil is rent? Do you remember how the veil's rent? Was it bottom to top or top to bottom? Who, who did the ripping? God did the ripping. They exposed, and guess what? He's not there. He's gone. But if they had paid attention, or if you had paid attention a few verses before that, in a chapter or two before that, he just told Israel, your house is a house of thieves, and it's your house, and I'm out of here, and I'm leaving. Ezekiel 28. Here's a, here's a fifth cherub. 
Verse 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, who was in garden of God? Who was in Eden? Well, Adam and Eve were. The Godhead is, and Lucifer. So the king of Tyrus here, he is a legitimate person, a human. But that's not who Ezekiel's talking to. He's talking to the guy pulling the strings behind him, the course of the world. He's talking to Satan. Down in verse uh, 2, you've got the prince of Tyrus. There's the Antichrist. So you've got this whole conversation. He's in there, verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. Anointed, that word means Christ, Messiah. You run through Acts and everything. But he's the anointed what? He's set differently than the other four. How is he? Verse 14, and I have set thee so. I, I like that, set. You know what God did? He created Lucifer, Isaiah 14. He creates Lucifer and he sets him. He puts him in place. And, and by the way, we didn't read all of the description there, but he's got the, the tabrets and the pipes and, and all of that. He's set in a place, verse 14, Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. Please always remember Satan is created. He is not a God. He is the God of this world, little g. He's not God. He's not everywhere. He can't be there. He can't read your mind. That's why he set in motion a course of the world. He set a lie program into motion back in Genesis 1, and he sets that going. And when he does that, he lets the, his ministers go do the work. He just set it on. He's got a wisdom plan. Isaiah 14, it's on your list. We're not going to go there. Five times, I will be, I will, I will, I will. And you know what he does in those, in those I wills is he usurps the three forms of government, the three branches of government. He usurps them. He takes them over, and he says, I'm going to be like the God of the Most High. Most High is defined in Genesis 17 as the possessor of heaven and earth. That's his goal, and he's going to use a lie to do it. And he says, you know what? I'm an anointed cherub anointed Christ. You better be careful who, which Christ you follow because that's who he is. And he says there, now where is he? That was upon the holy mountain of God. He's, the, he's over everything. The mountain of God. Mountain in your Bible, nine out of ten times is talking about a kingdom, a throne room with the king sitting there. And he literally sits and covereth his job is to lead creation in worship and, and, and song and praise of God, the Godhead, the Creator. In Job 38, when he says that the morning suns, the morning stars sang and the sons of God rejoiced, who's leading that is Satan, Lucifer. That's who's leading that in the beginning. And then he looks around and says, hey, I'm second in command here. God's number one. I'm number two. I'm pretty good because look at the, how verse 15 ends. Till iniquity was found in thee. Whoo, iniquity. Iniquity in your Bible is a very special sin. It's a sin that is always connected to the satanic policy of evil. It's everywhere. Every time you read iniquity, look around in the context somewhere, Satan's popped his head up again. Whoop, smack him. You know, whack-a-mole. He's everywhere. 
Paul says, you know what we are? Where are we seated? In heavenly places. Where is Lucifer? He's in heavenly places, isn't he? He's in that holy mountain of God. He set out there leading. We were sitting one evening, or maybe it was one morning, in the Grand Canyon, and you can't see much through the, through the tent. I took a picture, woke up the campground, you know, and I looked at it, and you can't see anything but my finger or something. So I unzip it, and I look up, and you see the starry sky. You can see everything, and it's vibrant, and it's bright. And literally, we were going down the trail. You turn your headlamp off, and the, and the moon just light up the trail for you. And you go, you know what? There set that dirty, rotten rascal up there, and he had all of that under his domain. And then pride got him, and, uh, and he falls. And the Lord said, you know what? God, you know, God didn't fret a moment. Come back to Ephesians. God didn't worry a moment. He's not sitting there going, oh, no, what do I do now? You know why? Because we learn in Ephesians chapter 1. Now, now Paul's wonderful. Actually, the Holy Spirit's wonderful, but Paul is, is wonderful. Because in Romans, you know where Paul drags you and I? Back to Adam. For by one man, sin entered into the world. He takes you and I in Romans and drags our sorry, real rare ends right back into Adam. But in Ephesians, you know where he takes you? Back before the foundation of the world. And that's fantastic. Look at Ephesians 1. Just jump in real quick, verse 3. We'll get down there in a minute. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, the Godhead sits together. The Father says, I got a plan, and the, we're going to call it glory. And the plan is this, and he, on Proverbs 3, Proverbs 8, wisdom, and he unfolds the blueprint, the according to. And the son looks at it and goes, oh, oh, let me play that. Can I please play that role? Let me play this role, please. And you know how you know that? Philippians 2, he made himself of no reputation. He chose to do this. He, the Godhead doesn't sit there with a the gun to each other's head saying, you're going to do it or else. Otherwise, that's legalism. It's not grace. And God is a gracious God. Got to think about that. And the son says, oh, please, let me be the sacrifice. Let me be the redeemer. Let me be Messiah. Let me play this role, Father, please. And the father goes, well, fine, okay, easy, kids, calm down. <laughs> not really, you, know, you think about, I think about my relationship with my kids. They never do that, by the way. They go, oh, yeah, you can do that, Dad. Go ahead. You know, you know kids, right? Kid, okay, no? Okay, come on now. And, and he, the son goes, okay. And the Holy Spirit says, well, let me take this role then. And let my work product be a written record of what we're going to do. Let me be the secretary, if you will, and take the minutes of everything that is said and done. Because the work product is in your lap. And all three members of the God had come in total unity and harmony and love and living for each other spontaneously. And they put the plan, and the Father says, hang on, hang on, slow down, kid. Slow down, Spirit. I need to take out, we need to take out this section of the build. 
and all and any allurements to it. And he pulls out the hidden wisdom, the mystery, the second story, if you will. And he goes, we're, we're going to put this over here. And, when we, and, and by the way, when you see this happen, then guess what's coming? Bam, that's going to and he, But we're going to pull that out, and we're going to stick it over here. And no one's going to know about it until a time appointed to the due time testifier comes in. And he pulls that. And you know what Paul says? I'm the due time testifier. And now this is on the way. In verse 8, drop down to verse 8. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. The his will there is the Father's will. Everybody and their brother, oh, I want to know the will of God. Well, how about here's some, here's some of it? You want to know the will of God for your life? Go find out what God's doing and go do that. That's that easy. Romans chapter 2, Israel, talking to Israel, they knew the will of God. They were proving it. How? They had the word of God. They knew what, is, what God was doing in Israel. Let's go do that. What's God doing today? He would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. How about some of that? Let's go do that. You don't have to go very far to run into a lost person. Okay? They're, they're real handy to talk to. Verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. If he's made known unto us the mystery of his will, then his will is no longer a mystery. What is his will, though? According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Hello, purposed where? In himself. It's his plan. He's the father of glory, verse 17 calls him. The, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory. The one who gave birth to glory. I, gave, I helped in the birth giving of my three kids. I'm their what? I'm their father. He's the father of glory. What's his job? What's his whole goal? Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. What's his plan? What's the gospel of the grace of God today? Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again. Is that it? There's much more to it, isn't there? There's not only is there your justification unto eternal life, but now you've got a walk in Christ, a sanctification that you can go and a walk, you can go live and be a part of. But there's a glorification coming that you're a part of completely. He purposed in himself, verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. He gave you an inheritance. He doesn't just say, I saved you from hell. By the way, that's a good thing. But I got something bigger and better. Hey, hey, have you guys ever noticed that? Look over at Romans 5. Uh, Romans 5. Oh, we got to go. Romans 5. We don't... Romans 5, verse 8. But God committed this love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than. What, more than that? Much more than. What? How can it get any better? Much more than. But I think about that. We're sitting down there and we're eating lunch. You know, we come out Tuesday and we go to Wendy's and have a burger and fries and a Coke. Well, an iced tea, okay? And I'm sitting there going, man, I'm tired. I'm going to, you know, I got a four-hour drive home. And then I had that burger, fries, and an iced tea. And you know what? I beat everybody home. Because that Wendy burger, Dave's double, boom, we got energy now. You know Hey, isn't it great to have our justification? Oh, yeah, but much more than. 
being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Right off the bat, you learn you're not going through the 70th week of Daniel. He didn't talk about the wrath here isn't troubled life because he just dealt with that back up in verse 3, 4, and 5. He's now talking about that wrath. You ain't going to see that. You don't need to worry about what Peter said about it. You don't need to worry. You just enjoy who you are now. Then he says in verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled. We shall be saved by his what? See that much more? Why? Because what's coming in Romans 5, 6, and 7? Here's your identity. Much more, baby. Yeah, it's great to be saved. I ain't no doubt about it. I'm missing the lake of fire. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's a great. But you know what? There's much more. So now we jump over to Ephesians. And you know what happens? Man, what, who's on display? The glory of the Godhead is now on display. Come back on over there to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Notice verse 6. And hath raised us up together. Notice the tenses in that, in that phrase. Hath. It's already done. You got to think about that. What a perspective to have on life is to have the perspective of God. Hold on here. Look back at Romans 4. I know, it's only Sunday morning. Romans 4. I, want you, I think about this verse often. Romans 4, verse 17. The end of the, after the parenthesis, uh, verse 17, Romans 4, 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. That's Abraham, Genesis 17. Now watch, before him, I've made you a, many, a father of many nations. Before him who he, whom he believed, even God, now watch, who, so this is talking about God, quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. In the mind of God, Ephesians 2, 6, where are you? Seated in heavenly places, seated together with him. You're not out here struggling. You're not out here trying. Now, our reality is a little different, isn't it? But, man, what a viewpoint in our reality to have that, you know what, I'm really... I am a more than a conqueror. Life isn't the enemy. Life is just where I get to play. I, I get to bring the character and the conversation and the, the well, character, I guess, of heaven down into the ghettos of humanity. I get to put on display. I have that wonderful privilege. You have that wonderful privilege to put his life, his character, God's character on display down here in the ghetto of humanity. Why? Because verse 6, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. That, why is he doing that? In the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ. What's going to go on and on and on and on and on and on? Ages, plural. His glory, His grace. 
Come on over to Colossians chapter 1. His purpose in Christ. Yes, it is to reign and to rule over Israel. Yes, it is to do and take care of the earth. What's the will of the Father? That the earth, if the, the, the earth would be under the headship and the rulership of the Lord Jesus Christ with Israel, his nation, in her place. But then he turns his eyes up into the heavens and says, just as Satan fell, and he looks over there in Job, and Job says, the heavens are corrupt in his eyes. One day they will never be corrupt again. One day you and I will fill up those heavens and man when we do we're not putting on display the old the death burial and resurrection and all the grooming the grooming we're putting on display the death burial and resurrection of christ in its glory and what it means and what it does to the adversary every time you talk about it look at colossians 1 colossians 1 and verse 15 the sister passage he says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Why? For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in heaven or things in earth. I mean, you look at what he's doing through Calvary. You look at what he's doing through the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order for the Lord Jesus Christ to hang at Calvary, he had to be born of a virgin. He had to walk and fulfill the prophetic scriptures. He had to prove that he was Israel's Messiah, Israel's King, Israel's Redeemer. He has to prove that. He does it. He dies. And then the father reaches over and goes, you, you remember that appendix B? And he pulls that bad boy out and he says, because he did that, because of Romans 3.25, Remember that verse? Well, you're looking at me funny. Run over there. Come on, Romans 3. Romans 3.25. You you, you, man, I, another gospel view here, folks. Not a, not a by wicked hands you've crucified the Messiah. But man, because you did, look at the glory and look at what we've got going on now. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Whom God, that's the Father, has set forth Set forth, I, I love that, set him forth. Romans 8, he says, he spared not his son, but he delivered him up. I mean, think about that. Here's the father with intention delivering the son up. The son with intention going. The Holy Spirit with intention doing and recording and being active involved in it. No, well, you know, I, I oh man, she's going to kill me. Verse 25. Set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Do you know that only Paul is going to tell you this verse? That is one of the deep, rich accomplishments of Calvary that was kept secret, is verse 25. How can the Lord take those stinking sacrifices of Israel, and they stunk, and say, well-pleasing? What did God the Father know? Calvary is coming. How can he look at David, who's a murderer and an adulterer, and say, you're forgiven? Because he knew who was coming. He knew what, there he is. That's the forbearance of God. Come back there to Colossians 1. 
what's happening here. He's going to have the preeminence. Not only is he going to have the preeminence in the earth, but now he's going to have the preeminence where? In the heavens. In the heavenly places. And when he has that, chapter 2, by the way, I, I know there's a lot of things going on in the doctrinally. Verse 16, the things, all things are governmental structure. That is not the green grass and the pink trees and the purple blues and all that good stuff. It's the governmental structure. Because who runs the government is who's in charge. And one day it's all going to be back under his authority. Chapter 2, verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. How? Bodily. Isn't that wonderful? And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You run over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Why did the Lord come? 1 Timothy chapter 1, why did the Lord come? Peter says in, in Acts chapter 2, the Lord came he to die, he was resurrected. Why was he resurrected? To sit on David's throne. You know what Paul says? 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Isn't that interesting? Matthew 1, you're going to call his name Jesus. What's he going to do? He's going to save his people from their sins. Paul says, yeah, he did that. But guess what? He also is doing this. And this supersedes that. Everything Paul says supersedes what has already happened. Come on over to chapter 2, 1 Timothy 2, verse number 4. 1 Timothy 2, verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will, here's the will of God, have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now watch verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Watch what Paul just did there as we kind of wind, be done, okay? He says, what's the will of God? He would have all men be saved. How's that? My gospel. The mediator now is man is the man, Christ Jesus. It isn't the nation of Israel in there. It's direct on, mono, mono, right there. There you are. And then he says, and come to the knowledge of the truth. And that, so where is that at? He says, I am the due time testifier. I'm the preacher and the teacher of the Gentiles. You want to know what the knowledge of the truth is? You've got to go see my writings. And he protects it. And the Holy Spirit protects it and writes it in. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Last verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You see another gospel view here. Yes, the gospels are right. Yes, they have to do it. But because he did that, because he lives, he's now all of this. 2 Corinthians 8 verse number 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. What did he do? He made a choice, didn't he? 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, he became our Passover. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he became our unleavened bread. No sin in him. 
no impurity. Romans chapter number 6, he became our first fruits, the newness of life. 1 Corinthians 15, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 1, he's our Pentecost. Verse 30 and 31, he's our all, everything. He's everything to us. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 52 there, he's our trumpet. You know where last week, the, the schedule, remember? Second uh, Romans 5, verse number 10 and 11, he's our atonement at one mint. 2 Corinthians 5, the first eight verses, Titus 2, 1 Thessalonians 3, he's our tabernacle. We're going to live with him and dwell with him. We're looking for that tabernacle made without hands. There we are. Philippians chapter number 1, verse 21, the apostle Paul says, For to me to live is Christ and to die. You know what? Boy, what a way to look at him. Look at who he is ultimately. Yes, he's God the Son. Yes, he's all of that. But man, for you and I, he is so much more, much more than. And you know what we did this morning? We just scratched the top. You know what he did? For your sakes, he was rich. He, you know that Titus chapter number one, they didn't have to do that, but they did. Look at Titus one. I know I said we're done. We're done. Andrea can come to the piano. That way we're no, Titus chapter one. I'm just kidding. Titus chapter one. Look at verse two. Look at Titus 1, verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. Who was there before the world began that God would promise, make a promise to? Only the Godhead was there. Nobody else. God, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know what they did? They made an agreement to provide for humanity the out of their calamity. Here's, you know how you're going to do it? You're going to come out, and you know what we're going to do? So at every turn, you know what they did? They said, remember our promise, and we got to do this. Remember, they didn't have to do that. They could have let humanity just go. But God's a God of love. He's a God of great. He's got mercy. And he says, here we go. But what another viewpoint. We preach Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, for the look into it, for the study of it, for the rejoicing of your, the wonderful matchless grace that you have. And as we're dismissed and we fellowship and we talk with one another, we would just rejoice in that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.